Greetings, gentle listener, and welcome to Remote Operations. Remote Operations is a podcast series made during lockdown by the social agency Stoke on Trent's art based support group for autistic and learning disabled adults living in the city and surrounding areas. But you don't have to be from Stoke to listen, it's for everyone. Well, except them in Newcastle on the line. They'd probably be happier with an episode of something posher like the Archers. Only kidding, Doc. Enjoy. Hello, it's me, Jim Hype, here with the news, the word on the street, the gossip, the tittle-tattle titbits, the shoe-shoe scoop, the chit-chat, the rumours, the whispers, the dirt and the buzz. In short, your showbiz reporter to the stars. The man with more scoops than an ice cream parlour in a heatwave. Head in the clouds, back to the wall, ear to the ground, and nose to the grindstone. This morning I got an urgent phone call from the producers of the show. I heard them groaning on the other end of the line as they said, and I quote, There's no one else we can turn to. Clearly they were desperate to work with me again, so I sped over here in my trusty transport to the Hypermobile, cunningly disguised as a local taxi. And now here I am, live on the scene and in person, to give you a series of reports so hot my fingers have blisters. Collections. Who has them? What's in them? And how did they do it? Listen with envy to these people as the magnitude of their achievements becomes clear. Trust me, you'll be so green we could use you as currency. Adam and I have been friends for a while, ever since we dared each other to replace the Hollywood sign with giant marshmallows and nobody noticed. But that's another story. What's the lowdown on his collection? He agreed to meet me at a top secret location where he had this to say. I collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They are a collection of tradable cards to which you can trade and battle with other people to uh, to win some prizes at tournaments or just to give your opponent the handshake and have bragging rights. I started collecting them in 2003. I've... Uh, I pretty much had made it a bet to my friend that uh, I only just want to collect the cards that just look cool and I uh, traded away a uh, a shiny card without the shiny lettering on it with a uh, another person that had uh, a card called the Seven Coloured Fish. And uh, ever since then I've been collecting booster packs, I've been collecting special edition boxes, structure decks, starter decks, and uh, and more special editions, uh, booster pack boxes, and... Uh, and also movies to do with the trading card games as well. What drew you to collecting Yu-Gi-Oh cards? What drew me to it? Well, it was the television show that I saw on a uh, on a bigger show called Up on the Roof, which was a Saturday morning thing where they would show television shows, kids' television shows to everybody, like Pokemon, Power Rangers, and uh, probably Cow and Chicken, but I really don't know. And uh, there was this one show called Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was really into it because of all the intense card play and mind games that uh, each player was playing against. And I just really got into the card game itself. And even my friend from school even got into it as well. And uh, him and I would trade cards. Also, my mate Usman, who also has learning difficulties, also traded cards with us as well. And it just became a huge thing for me, it did. I also made other friends on me bus journeys to school that also played Yu-Gi-Oh as well, and we uh, play played and uh, traded since then, really, and also swore at each other as well. What is it about Yu-Gi-Oh cards that you like so much? Well, it's basically the design of the actual card pictures themselves, really, that drew me into them. Um, uh, 
my mate uh, Nigel, who used to come over to the social agency, also collected cards, and he had a favorite uh, card, favorite card type, which were dragons, and uh, and I pretty much wanted to be a a rivaling figure of it. So my favorite type of a uh, monster became the machine types, and also fiends and rock types. But that slowly evolved into dragon types, and then I just started collecting any cards that just sounded cool. But uh, I started becoming a uh, a sort of a uh, Machine masochist idea, just collecting any machine type uh, monster that appeared within any booster pack. I'm probably going up ahead a couple of uh, a couple of packs, but otherwise it, it's something that uh, that really drew me in as well. Um, uh, I looked at the design of the cards myself, and they just looked really, really cool. They did, and I just uh, got more and more into the card game and learned more as as the days went on about uh, how to assemble a deck and uh, what card types to pick and how to make the deck itself. And uh, like I said, I just played with my friends all the time and uh, always was uh, the winner in my, my own classroom, but that's beside the point. To be fair, my first friendship with a with another Yu-Gi-Oh card player started when I was showing off the game Final Fantasy VII and, uh, and him and I just sort of made a connection with each other since. And... Uh, and also the socialing aspect about it, I discovered new friends through the card game itself. I uh, found this friend called Aaron, who uh, also went to the same school as me, uh, playing the exact same card game as well. And him and I just basically played the games as well and uh, had this sort of rivalry camaraderie with each other as well. What does your collection do for you? It makes me think a lot, it does. If someone said you can't collect Yu-Gi-Oh anymore, how would that make you feel? There has been a point in my life where I let my uh, my dad's wife uh, take away my entire card collection because I felt it, it was affecting my behavior. And this was and this was like 10 years after I started collecting, well, more than 10 years after I started collecting. And I uh, told him to have it for a while and I just uh, wanted to try to do something else aside from playing the card game. And, uh, and I... To tell you the truth, I didn't really miss it that much, really. But uh, in terms of having it away, I feel as though that would learn so much from the card game itself that that knowledge would also translate over into other other pieces of media as well, like other trading card games, like Card Fight Vanguard or Future Card Buddy Fight or Pokemon or uh, or My Little Pony or uh, yes, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, Final Fantasy uh, card game. Uh, there's lots of card games involving different media. I mean, and there's also Transformers as well. It's pretty uh, out there, you know. That knowledge would pass over from uh, from one card game where you get all the knowledge for one card game into the into the another. But uh, in terms of letting all the card games go all together, it's it's just gonna be the uh, the pictures that'll be leaving behind, really. Well, the inspiration that'll be left behind if the trading card game went away from me, really. So in conclusion. I'd be inspired by its instructions. I guess I wouldn't really miss it that much considering that um, I'm playing more video games now and uh, writing up stuff more than usual, but uh, I don't know, I haven't really been playing much Yu-Gi-Oh ever since this lockdown be began, really. This just hasn't been another person to uh, play through webcam, really. And finally, uh, one last question. Uh, how many cards have you got, Adam? Well, the amount of cards that I've had, which I've actually have been looking through my entire collection, which is literally down there in this little uh in that little uh box down there i i have more than ten thousand cards in there possibly a hundred thousand hello listeners 
it's me, apathetic reporter Branson Boredom, bringing apathy to every situation, as you can hear from my monotone voice. If I could show emotion, I would, but sadly... Apologies, I just drifted off. I was boring myself. Well, let's take a listen to what's coming to your streaming platforms and socially distanced cinemas. Or we could listen to the sound of paint drying. Oh. Okay. Here we go with famous actors in the wrong film. Roll sound, please, team. This summer, Sister Maria has got seven children to sing to, and nobody's gonna stop her. I will find you, and I will sing to you. Doe, a deer, a female deer, Ray, a drop of golden sun. Liam Neeson is Sister Maria in The Sound of Music Rebooted, The Singing 2.0, coming soon to a socially distant cinema near you. Well, that trailer just has me giddy. With excitement. Speaking of giddy with excitement, here is my colleague, Erwin Irony. We sent him an advanced copy of the film, and he is going to review it for you. Thanks, Branson! Yeah, I was gonna watch the film, but then I started watching this show about these funny little people. Little fellas, long sharp noses, long flappy arms, lives in the trees, always singing, cheerful bunch- You mean... birds? Yeah! That's it! BIRDS! Oh dear. Well, see you next time, folks. Greetings, dear listener. This is the voice of Professor Simon Schnitzel. PhD, BNQ, DISCO, your guide to the mysterious subconscious world of onions. Imagine biographies! I said imagine biographies. Who said onions? Certainly not me. No sorry. Today, we will be delving deep inside the onion. Mind! I said mind. Only a fool would keep mentioning onions after losing an extremely prestigious teaching job at the University of Vienna for repeatedly trying to shoehorn onions into every lecture. And that fool certainly isn't me. No, sir. Over the next few episodes, we'll be delving deep inside the minds of members of the social agency to discover their hopes, their onions. Ambitions! I said ambitions. We have asked several members of the team to come up with an imagined biography of an alternative version of their life. A parallel onion. Universe! Parallel universe! If you will. 
let's hear this week's imagined biography. I present to you, gentle listener, Rebecca Penn. Rebecca Penn is a British chef, restaurateur, businesswoman and TV presenter. She was born in 1993 and grew up in Chell, Staffordshire. Becky opened her first restaurant in 2003 in Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent. The restaurant Panini offers excellent Italian cuisine at affordable prices and was an instant hit with the customers and could teach alike. Ooh, what a bargain. In his glowing review for the Observer Food magazine, Jay Rayner wrote, Panini's signature dish. A luxuriously creamy lasagna is the closest I have ever come to heaven on a plate. And I've been close to a lot of plates. Outstanding. Panini became a global sensation, avoiding the usual capital cities and opening branches in Blackpool, Langan, and Natal. Peggy has been given a record of 27 Michelin stars. And was invited to be a presenter alongside Gordon Ramsay, wow. Gino DiCaprio, Bellissimo. and Fred Syriax of the multi-award winning BBC hit show Britain's Best Lasagna. Becky is a huge fan of audiobooks and is often visited by the author Janine Frost in Becky's beautiful six-bedroom Blackpool home. I feel very lucky, very, very lucky. Who performs live audiobook readings for Becky, for her mom and her dad and two cats, Midnight and Snowy. Hmm, very interesting, revealing, poignant even. I wonder... Simon, your tea's ready, love. Mom, I'm at work. Stop embarrassing me. Simon, I've told you before, you're not a professor. You're only ten. Now come and eat your tea, then you can go out and play. What's for tea? Your favourite. Onion soup with onion bread and onion tart for afters. You pay? Well... Dear listener, I'm afraid the analysis of this week's imagined biography will have to wait. I've been offered a very prestigious teaching job at the University of Swansea. Switzie? At a big university. So stay safe, keep it onion, and I'll see you in your dreams. You have been listening to Remote Operations, created and performed by The Social Agency. Appearing in today's podcast, we had Roger Fitzherbert, Mike Bond, Adam Cork, Robbie Nichols, Rebecca Pan, and Emily Andrews. Remote Operation was produced by Saul Hewish and Ed Gorn. Original music was written and performed by Toby White with Carl Poynton. 
Emily Andrews was our social media executive and the artwork was by Robert Millward. We have also had other support from the arts. Recording was under lockdown restrictions. Remote operation was made possible with funding from Arts Council England and the National Emergency Trust which was administered by the Community Foundation for Staffordshire. The social agency is a product of Rideout. <laughs>